Namaste, my friends. Welcome back. Or if you're new here, welcome to the podcast. The Harmony Inspired Health Podcast brings you raw and real conversations from leaders in the industry about all things health, wellness, Ayurveda, and life. My name is Harmony, and I am your podcast host. I am an Ayurveda and integrative health practitioner who specializes in women's hormonal health, a registered nurse, and a business mentor. I'm on a mission to inspire, educate, and empower women to take charge of their health, wealth, and life. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you listen on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating so the wisdom shared in these episodes can be spread far and near. Thank you so much from my soul to yours. Before we jump into this soulful episode, I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by my accredited program, Ayurveda Alchemist. This program certifies you as an Ayurveda holistic health coach. Ayurveda Alchemist is for women who are ready to embark on an epic personal development journey, immersing themselves in the wisdom of Ayurveda, learning how to optimize their health and well-being by addressing all aspects of self, including their physical body, mental and emotional health and spirituality, whilst wholeheartedly stepping into their dharma, their purpose. This program is also for women who would love to get started with a fulfilling career in Ayurveda and for already established health, wellness and life coaches who want to create greater impact by offering a holistic framework that gets their clients exceptional and holistic results. This certification is what you need to step into the high-level practitioner that you were born to be and stand out from the coaching crowd. You will experience undeniable growth personally and professionally. You will be mentored by highly qualified facilitators, guest experts, and practitioners. Spots are strictly limited. If you are ready to up-level your life and help transform the lives of others by becoming an Ayurveda alchemist, head over to www.harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au and apply today. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast and a beautiful warm welcome to all of our members in the Ayurveda and Women's Health Sisterhood Facebook group. And if you're not in there, you are so welcome to join us so we can carry these conversations on after the podcast episode. I have a really beautiful, special, special guest with us today. And before we get into the conversation, I did just want to give a little trigger warning that we will be talking about pregnancy loss. So if this is a really sensitive subject for you at the moment, um, please don't watch or don't listen. Maybe come back when you're ready if it is something that you are interested to hear. But we completely understand that not everybody is comfortable speaking or hearing of this topic at this point in their lives. Um, So... With that in mind, I'd just like to reiterate that we are going to be talking about pregnancy loss throughout this episode. 
So today we have the wonderful Shana with us and she is a pregnancy loss practitioner and a trauma-informed coach. She's also the creator of the Institute of Healing and Pregnancy Loss Practitioner course and Shana is an angel mother herself. Welcome to the podcast, Shana. Thank you so much. Thank you for that beautiful introduction as well. You're welcome. I'm so, yeah, so happy to have you here. I think this is such um, a, a subject that doesn't get spoken about enough. And I'm really grateful that you're here to share a your expertise with us all and to bring more light to the conversation, but also to be able to share your own story with us. Before we get started, though, I always start the episode with our rapid inspiration questions. So could you please inspire us with what your superpower is? Um, I probably would say that I am very empathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very good superpower for a pre pregnancy loss practitioner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it seems to be a common thread, though, throughout my life. So I feel like, yeah, a good, definitely a, a good superpower to have in the in the role that I'm in. 100%. And what's your favourite quote or mantra? Um, so I will share a mantra with you that I sort of went through, I use like in my own healing and recovery. Um, so it is every cell in my body vibrates with energy and health. Loving myself heals my life. I nourish my mind, body, and soul. My body heals quickly and easily. Beautiful. I love that. And who or what is inspiring you at the moment? Um, I think the person that's inspiring me at the moment is actually one of my students. <laughs> She's actually, you know, coming up with uh, incredible um, concepts and ideas, uh, both for herself and for also the expansion of um, the certification that I run. So it has like, she's absolutely been this little, yeah guiding light at the moment um so yeah I'd have to say one of my students is actually my inspiration at the moment oh that's beautiful well thank you yeah once again for coming on here and um yeah opening this conversation up so I'd really love to start with your story of how you became a pregnancy loss coach and to run the certification so what you and your also your story of losing your pregnancy that led you to this yeah so um I guess with I mean you, you when you're in school you kind of you're told that if you have sex you'll fall pregnant so I just assumed you know growing up and you know wanting to start a family that it would be easy um and you know, I had been on contraception for a very, very long time. So I, you know, I really wasn't um, in touch with my body at all. Um, so when I came off contraception, I was like, okay, cool, let's try for a family and we'll fall pregnant and we'll have a baby. And um, 
and it didn't happen like that. And then I thought, you know, I, you know, I thought that was something intrinsically wrong with me as a person. I'm like, there's got to be something wrong with me. Um, so we, we tried for a couple of years and, you know, nothing happened. We went and saw a fertility specialist. Um, I think it was about around the fifth year that we were trying that we, we fell pregnant. Um, but we went into the ultrasound clinic and they said, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. And in that moment, you know, I felt like, I mean, I knew it was my worst nightmare, but I had no idea about pregnancy loss at all. Um, so we had, I had experienced a missed miscarriage. I didn't know that I had, that had actually lost the baby at that point. There was no signs. Um, and the baby had passed like for three weeks and I didn't, I didn't even know. And I was, I was blaming myself, you know, I was its mom. I should have known, I should have done better. Um, and it was really like, yeah, it was my worst nightmare, but also I had no idea of what to even anticipate at that point. I was, I felt like I was the only person that had gone through it because I was like, well, no one talks about it. I must be the only woman that's experiencing this. Um, and being my first pregnancy, again, I was then like, do I, can I fall pregnant again? Because we had been trying to conceive for so long. And I was like, does this mean that I'm never going to have a family? Um, so I was not given enough information from my GP. Um, I went home and allowed the process to happen itself, but it was a very, very traumatic experience for me at home and ended up being rushed to hospital, um, to get, um, a procedure done. And when I was at the hospital, they told me that was like one in four pregnancies end in loss. And I was like, well, if that's the case, like, why do I feel like I'm the only person going through this? Why do I feel like I'm the only woman that's ever gone and, you know, gone through, going through this, um, this time. And that kind of, I guess, in a way planted a seed without me even realizing, like at the hospital, I was like the, the nurse that I had at, in the emergency department was incredible, but Every, like the nurses that I had went just before I went into surgery were saying horrible things. Um, probably to her, it didn't seem like it was such a big issue, but to me, it was like, why are you even saying this? Like, I don't, I can't even comprehend, you know, trying to conceive again at this point. Like I'm going into surgery to, to essentially complete my miscarriage. And I, you know, I'm, why, why are you even talking about pregnancy again? Um, so there was a lot of, I felt sort of a bit of, you know, the medical system really didn't know how to support a woman going through that experience. You're absolutely right. I have worked, I'm a registered nurse and I've worked both in theatre, so in the operating theatres and the emergency department and being on triage when women are coming in and losing, you know, their pregnancy, 
and you're not trained really on how to approach that situation. And I guess from, you know, a nursing perspective, because you're not trained in how to really be compassionate in that way and articulate it and and really hold that that woman in those fields like obviously that would probably be different for midwives and other nursing areas I guess in the moment when you don't know what to say you're, you're trying to come up with hopeful solutions maybe and that's the only sort of reasoning I can think of but I can only imagine like yeah how hard that would have been to hear to hear that and know that these are the people that are like your health practitioners supporting you and everything. And yeah, I'm really sorry that that you had to go through that. And I think that's another reason why what you're doing is so wonderful being able to create this practitioner course to educate, you know, our health practitioners on how to respond to women who are going through pregnancy loss. It is so, so important. Yeah, it was just, you know, coming out of that experience, coming out of the hospital, um, right from the doctor's surgery, well, actually right from the ultrasound clinic, there were, it was cold, like the way that he um, delivered the information to me, um, I specifically requested to never see that, that um, ultrasound technician ever again, because I was like, I do not want to, like his bedside manner was terrible. Um, with the nurses at the hospital, like the one that I had at, like I had my bedside in the emergency was great, but every other one had absolutely no idea. Like they, like you said, they kind of say those one-liners because they kind of don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking maybe if I say this, it'll make, make it feel better. But I'm just like, no, <laughs> you just <laughs> no. hold my hand and, you know, just don't, don't try and fix me because I'm, you know, I'm not broken, but just, don't try to fix the situation. Um, and yeah, coming out of the hospital with no support, um, that was huge because then I'm like, I'm at home then trying to go through the motions and I'm like, what do I actually do? You know, um, I ended up sort of, I had to take five weeks off work because I was like, I can't go back to work. I can't function as a human. I was, I was grieving. I was, um, I kind of didn't know what I was feeling every day was such a mix of emotions and I just couldn't think straight. So each week it was like, I was calling work, telling them, Nope, can't come in this week. Nope. Can't come in this week. Um, but yeah, it was in my healing and recovery that I realized that that was my bigger calling was because I was searching for support that, and I couldn't find it. And I was searching for understanding and I couldn't find it. And, you know, society just likes to downplay it and dismiss it because it is a very uncomfortable topic to talk about. Um, And people don't know what to say and they don't know how to, well, they don't know how to make you feel better because that's essentially what they're trying to do is make you feel better. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that's when I knew that I had to use put all the things that I had used in my healing and recovery together into a program and use it to, to make more support, make, educate women um, so that there is more understanding, more specific support for pregnancy loss in any touch point that a woman, you know, experiences life because 
pregnancy loss affects every single aspect of your life. Um, you know, my sister's a personal trainer and for her, <clears throat> she had a client come through her, her gym that had experienced pregnancy loss. And my sister didn't know that that was obviously her experience, but the day that that girl went in, there was a pregnant lady at the gym. So this lady got triggered and broke down at the gym. And my sister being that we've, we've all kind of had a similar background. So she knew how to hold space for her and she took her into a separate room and just allowed her to cry and, you know, just sat with her which was an incredible thing for someone to do is just allow them that space. But that's when I realized I'm like, there is so many different areas that women are going to be affected by pregnancy loss and so many different areas where women are going to be um, maybe afraid to go into or, um, you know, maybe won't achieve or have the results that they want because they can't get past any unhealed wounds that, you know, pregnancy loss and unhealed trauma that it created. So, you know, that was then my, I'm just like, I need to teach everyone. I need to teach medical practitioners, um, you know, any sort of any person that has that interaction with women. So health and wellness practitioners, even angel mums themselves, if they want to use their experience like I did, to be able to guide and support someone else. I can only imagine the emotional roller coaster that you would have been on. Um, and even leading up to the pregnancy, like you said, it was five years of, of trying to conceive and that within itself leads to a lot of mm. stress and emotional trauma in itself. And then to go through something like this again. So what, what was the the hardest thing that day for you what would you say was like the hardest thing just to allow like I guess I just want to bring awareness of we understand that obviously not seeing a heartbeat and and realizing that your your child is not you know viable mm. so in that moment like what is the actual hardest thing to deal with and how did you deal with it like how did you manage to get through the most hardest time in your life yeah it was um I think it was the one time in my life that I actually felt my heart break um I've never felt that deep heartache before and I think one one of the hardest things for me was that I couldn't do anything to keep it safe that I couldn't I, well and you know, on the outside, you do all of the things. You do everything that you can to make it the most, you know, healthiest, best experience that you can do. And so there's never anything you can, like, there's never anything that you've done wrong. But in that moment, you feel like you've done everything wrong. You're like, I've caused this. And that in that moment was like, what did I do wrong? What did I specifically do? to cause this because it's never your intention and it's never anything that you anticipate will be on your journey. But it was then and a personal kind of attack at myself because then I was like, I've done this to, you know, there's 
no one else to blame. I have to blame myself. Um, and so I went over my day. Like I went over the weeks prior, you know, because I had lost it three weeks and I didn't, I didn't know that it it had passed in that time. So that I was tracing back over my like three weeks, like three weeks prior. I'm like, what, what did I do? I went for a walk on that day and it was hot. I, that's, that's, that's what caused it. So I, a lot of blame and guilt mm. to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And it was like, yeah, like I said, it was just um, really hard to wrap my head around anything apart from trying to figure out what I had done wrong to cause the my loss. Um, and yeah, it wasn't an easy, well, definitely wasn't an easy mindset to try and shift because I still have no explanation for what happened. Like it's, it's just, um, unfortunately it was it, when I look at, at the time they said it was, you know, a chromosome, a chromosomal abnormality. And at the time I was like, no, that can't be it. Like there has to be something else. Like, and it's very easy to get caught in the trap of trying to figure out reasons why it happened. Um, But with the work that I did for myself, I was able to come to that place of like, well, I'm never going to know. And how can I come to accept that I will never know and be okay kind of with never knowing um, and know that I didn't do it. I didn't personally do it and it's never anything that you ever do. Mm. Um, It's never an action that you take that specifically will, you know, harm your baby. Um, But for a long time I was caught in that where I wanted to, I wanted to blame myself because I was hurting and, you know, I needed an explanation. So <clears throat> it was definitely a hard place to be in, a very dark place to be in. And how how was your husband throughout the process? How did he take it? Because we often think of the mothers and obviously so traumatic for the mothers, but there's the, the father as well, the husband, or it could be a same-sex partner, but it's the, the partner of, of the woman who has lost the baby. How, how was his... Um, I guess, how did he get through this? Yeah, it was, it's difficult because men, obviously they do grieve. Um, It just looks really different. And I think that was one of the things that came out of that experience was um, never assume where they're at because the assumption is actually going to probably hurt the relationship more Um, but we, when you're in it and you don't really know how to navigate it and it looks different and they look like they're getting on with life and your life has completely stopped. There were a lot of fights. We, we did fight a lot and, um, you know, although in saying that fighting, even though we were fighting, we were still communicating. 
Um, so I think what we took from that was that he was hurting and he was grieving. Um, he did it in his own way, which wasn't how I did it. Um, and maybe to him going to work was his way of coping because then it was able to give him time and space to process that it was, and it was away from me, away from, um, him having to show maybe that he was hurting and because they do like to, to be that strength for you. And he was, he absolutely was. He was my, you know, little person on the sideline picking me up every time I fell down. So um, I needed him in that role, but he also did need, um, he needed some place to fall apart as well. And it wasn't until probably about almost a year later that he told me how scared he was Um, and watching me fall apart, watching me go through all of the trauma at home um, because it was such a, it was an experience that was not, we weren't prepared for um, because they don't, the GPs don't tell you what you're actually going to expect. And I was, you know, I ended up experiencing contractions and everything as well. So it definitely wasn't anything that I was uh, prepared for. And he was trying to Google everything. He was trying to control the situation in a way, but, you know, it was, it would have been very, very hard to be on the outside and not know and actually not have any way of really supporting me. It just had to, my body had to do what it needed to do. And there was nothing that he could do really on the outside to do, to, to sort of help apart from reassure me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really hard role for a partner to play because they have no control over the situation and they feel so helpless as well. And of course we all grieve in our own different ways. And if the partner feels like they have to hide that grief a little bit to be the strength, it can, yeah, there's so many complexities to this situation and I'm just so grateful for you sharing this and being so open and vulnerable and honest about the experience because yeah it's awful for the the woman who lost their their baby but it's also really awful for their partner and that relationship dynamic and everything like that so thank you for um yeah sharing all of that and as I mentioned before just like the nurses A lot of people don't know how to approach this subject when they find out that someone has just lost their pregnancy. So what advice do you have for family, friends um, of the woman who has just lost their baby? Like, I know there's no right words to say or things to do, but is there any advice you could give the people out there listening who may have a friend or a relative or a client that is going through this or has gone through this or potentially in the future will be going through this? Like, how do we approach this? Hmm. Um, Definitely stay clear of those those sort of one-liners that you feel very, very inclined to say. Um, but it actually will do the woman more harm than good. So like stay clear of like, you know, 
Um, it happened for a reason, or at least it, like in my case, it, because I was um, seven weeks along, um, I had a lot of people say, oh, at least it was early. Um, at least you didn't get to the end. And um, I was like, a loss is a loss. Yeah. Very, very dismissive. And, um, you know, the very first time you see that positive pregnancy test, your whole life changes. So absolutely. Regardless of me, my goose, my intuitive goosebumps. Like I still remember that because we, I tried for a, a while before I fell pregnant as well. And you're absolutely right. When you see that, it's like, it, yeah, it is. This is it. This is the mm. moment you've been waiting for and to have yeah. that taken away from you at any, any stage on the pregnancy is, is awful to go through. Yeah. Um, and I think because a lot of people don't, um, know what to say, they will either have, they will either say those, you know, one-liners to try and fix it, or like, at least you can try again, or, you know, someone might have a living child prior to a loss. And then, so they'll say, oh, you've, you've already got one child, like focus on them. And, you know, there are, to me, it doesn't make sense that you would say stuff like that, but, you know, it happens a lot. And, it is very, um, it is very, they, those statements are very dismissive of the woman that is actually hurting and grieving and, you know, it was their baby. So acknowledge that it was their baby. And I think a lot of the time too, society, if they don't have those one-liners, they will say nothing at all and they'll completely ignore that it happened. So definitely don't go to that extreme as well. If you don't know what to say, just say that you're sorry. And even say that you don't know what to say, but know that, you know, say, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say, but no, I'm here for you. Mm. Or, you know, how can I help you? Can I come and cook you dinner? Can I clean your house? Can I, you know, how can I support you? Mm. Um, sit with them in silence. If that, if that you're like, can I just come over and sit with you? Like, you don't have to say anything and don't want to say anything. Go over to them, sit with them. Don't say anything. Don't offer an opinion. Don't say a story of, oh, you know, so-and-so had experienced loss and, you know, this is how they, they navigated it just validate her and where she's at or validate the husband and where he's at or the partner as well, because both of them are going to need that support. And what often will happen too is when the initial maybe few weeks or months are over, people stop checking in because they're like, oh, that she looks okay now. She's back to work. Um, I saw her down at the supermarket. She looks fine. Um, because her mourning looks different now, her grief though is still there. And, you know, I never had a, I never had a name or anything for my baby. Some mums do. And, you know, if they had a name, ask what their name is, ask to talk about them um, and check in on them. Like, <clears throat> I think the worst thing that we can do is either ignore it or try and fix it. Mm. And it doesn't need 
to be fixed. Um, just be there, just hold space for them, show compassion to them, um, talk about their baby because more often than not, as much as you think that it will hurt them more, it's not going to hurt them. They're always remembering their baby by you talking about them. It's not going to remind them of their loss. Like they're always reminded every single day, every time they wake up they they remember their baby. So by you bringing it up, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to hurt them. They might cry and maybe they weren't crying before, but that's okay. It's just allowing them to go through that um, process. And also, you know, there might be happy tears that you even asked about them and asked, you know, about their, how they were and talked about wanting to talk about their child. So um. Yeah, if you don't know what to say, still acknowledge their experience. Mm-hmm. Just say, I'm sorry, you know, for what you're going through and just know I'm here. And, you know, and that can be all you say and that'll be better than trying to fix it or it'll be better than saying nothing. Mm-hmm. And everyone's experience is so different and how people respond and how they want to be, you know, shown support in different areas of their life so I think just trying to be really receptive to to the mother and her journey and knowing that it's so individual like even if you may have had three or four other friends gone through this everyone's journey is going to be so different yeah respecting that and the other thing is too like if the woman says you know you what might offer her help and she says no just respect her. That's a boundary that she's putting up because she might need that space initially, but know that you can keep reaching out and just keep checking in and asking if there's any ways that you can support them. And it might just be running to the shop and getting some milk for them or, you know, something simple, but just because they say no the first time or the second time or the third time doesn't mean that they're not going to eventually want that support and that help. So um, don't stop checking in just because either you feel like it as some time has passed and she looks okay, or she might have refused some support up until a certain point, but it's only because she's probably navigating so much inside of her own life that she doesn't really know what she wants or she doesn't know you know, how to receive that support. So she's kind of just saying no, but keep checking in because there will be a day that she'll say yes. And when you were in the hospital, the day that you um, found out that you lost your baby or after you, you found out you lost your baby, but you had to go in for, was it a DMC that you went in for? Yeah. You yeah. Sent it to the emergency department first. Did they, did you have a social worker? Were they? No. No. No, no, I ended up, I was transferred from home, uh, from the doctor's surgery here to the hospital. Yeah. They wheeled me into the emergency department. Mm. I had a nurse come up to me and she asked me what happened. And I said, I've just had a miscarriage. And she kind of just looked at me and she just like went completely, like she just like disconnected, like, she didn't say anything to me after that. <clears throat> it's like she didn't know what to do. And then I was kind of looking at her going. she been through it herself. Like if she went. Yeah. I have no idea. And 
I didn't know if she heard me. I was like, do I have to explain again what happened? Like I, it was a really weird reception at the hospital. So yeah, was right from the start of kind of going through that process. It was just a really weird experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is a bizarre system that we have like presenting to the emergency department for pregnancy loss because like I said it the the nurses you know they're fabulous with trauma and emergencies but not this kind of stuff and mm. I remember being at triage and a um a woman come up with her mother she was a, a young um, woman and she was going through a miscarriage and I had to triage her and there was absolutely no beds like no beds it was so busy and I remember thinking like in that moment like this is it's such a awful process like for like what where what can we do with this woman she's like bleeding she's mm. not it's not an emergency as in she's in going to lose you know a whole lot of blood or um arrest herself but she's going through the biggest loss of her life at this Mm. point in time and there's so much trauma we think of trauma as in the trauma of like a a car crash victim or a heart attack victim but this is so much trauma for this lady and at that point in time I know I was trying for children as well so it tug on my emotional heartstrings and I was unsuccessful um, in falling pregnant for quite some time and so I actually started to tear up a bit and you you've got to be strong you know you're a triage nurse you're at the front and I felt really really emotional in in that time and I was like I felt helpless I didn't know what to do with her but we had social work in the emergency department so yeah, I called in the social work to sit with her and her mother. And that's why I asked you, like, did did you have any of that sort of support? Because it, it is so confronting, especially if it is, if that woman comes in at the at a time where the emergency department is full of, you know, um, medical emergencies and the social workers are off with, with those families, like, how do we hold these people? Like, it is, it's, it's a real grey area. And there mm. is a real disconnect in the system there. So I think, um, yeah, again, what you're doing is wonderful. And I'd love to learn more about how how do you navigate that? How does your, how are you trying to bridge that gap mm. with your program? What do you, what do you teach? What's the process? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love that you just touched on that it's trauma because like you said, there isn't enough talk about pregnancy losses being trauma. And a lot of the trauma imprints happen at the doctors, at the hospital, because either, like you said, there's no beds. So then they start to think, oh, well, maybe my situation isn't enough for me, like for them to go, I need to be in with these people that are like you know, really hurting, um, you know, I'm really hurting what I'm going through, but mine's not enough. Um, or the doctors don't, you know, acknowledge their experience. And it's not like where you kind of ever want the the system to change so much. It's that you want the way that they deliver the information, the way that you approach them and go through the process with them to be able to hold a little bit more space and be treated like a human because a lot of the time 
and also to notice that it is trauma because, um, you know, like I said, a lot of when they leave the hospital, that just compounds like with everything else that gets dismissed and downplayed and pushed aside with their experience. Um, so essentially like there's actually three, three elements, which I, and I'm working on like a third element now for the, the medical system. Like I want to, I've created a program, which I'm trying to at the moment, get accredited to take into the medical system. But currently um, I do teach, you know, um, healthcare providers, like whether they're, you know, uh, in the health and wellness space already. So the midwives, doulas, like if they wanted to undertake the, that extra skill set, um, angel mums, like if they do want to use their experience for creating a support program, um, I pulled apart my experience and my healing and recovery, and I put it into what um, I now refer to as my pregnancy loss recovery method. So it's like a three-step process. Um, and each of those transitions is what I took in my healing and recovery. And it views the woman as a holistic um, being because healing is not just it's not just your mind. It's not just your body. Um, it's everything all in one because there's so like a whole, whole entire body is communicating with each other. So you can't ignore, you know, emotions. You can't ignore your thoughts. You can't ignore sensations in the body. Like it, it's all connected. So how that looks in, you know, healing, healing and recovery, especially, you know, specifically to pregnancy loss. So it's how women will present you know, and how it'll sound and feel because it's so different to any other experience that we go through in life. Um, and then I've also created another program which then goes deeper again into trauma-informed care and nervous system regulation, specifically to pregnancy loss, because like you said, trauma isn't necessarily ever pregnancy loss it's it's car crash it's abuse it's you know um, violence it's you know um, major health conditions like that are classed as traumatic events but pregnancy loss there's a distinct line in your life like before and after that experience and really when you define trauma that's what trauma is is just that distinct before and after and a lot of the time it's not um, and it's and it, it is it isn't acknowledged as this big event and experience to a woman's body and you know it's huge. So I expand on that initial program with the trauma-informed care because then it allows the the practitioner to go into that space as well. If things haven't been working for a woman, they've tried different things to heal, it's more often than not that there's still trauma imprinted in their system. So then how can the practitioners support a woman on a deeper physical um, level start to process that trauma and start to regulate her nervous system so that she can then start to experience true healing and recovery? after loss because otherwise that trauma 
it stays with us and we carry that with us then for a whole entire life. And it, it might not show up, you know, a year or two years or five years later, it'll be, you know, it'll show up at some point in the future. Um, so I really just want to start opening the conversation around that pregnancy losses trauma as well and give permission for women who have experienced pregnancy loss to know it is, it is a big experience for them holistically, you know, mind, body, and spirit. Like it's a, it is a, it's an enormous thing that our body has gone through um, and give them permission to know that it's, that it's huge and that what they're feeling and going through and all of the things that are happening to them is valid. Um, so I'm trying to, because currently there is no support programs really that cover anything to do specifically to pregnancy loss. Um, therapy and counseling would just generally touch on, you know, things from grief, but pregnancy loss and grief, like it's different. It looks different. It sounds different. It feels different. Um, because you feel personally to blame for your loss. Uh, so the grief is just so much, so much more personal, like personal. Um, and, and yeah, sorry. How how did pregnancy loss then affect your next pregnancy? Because you have a beautiful daughter now. You have a how old is your daughter? Uh, she'll be five in April. Yeah, wonderful. So yeah. how I can only imagine it would have made you so nervous mm. um, for you know where a lot of no, not a lot of women. You said the statistic is one in four, which is actually mind blowing. Like one in four pregnancies, like that's that's quite a lot. Mm. But for women who have never experienced pregnancy loss, you know that first pregnancy, it's all you know joy until the morning sickness kicks in. But you obviously have nerves, and it's new, and you don't know what what's you know going to happen because you've never been pregnant before. But for someone who has been pregnant before and lost that pregnancy to then go and carry another child, I can only imagine there would be a lot of, a lot of emotions, a lot of nervousness that you would have to work through. Mm -hmm. So how did that affect that next pregnancy for you? Yeah. So um, I often will tell women, and this is like, I, I really, I, you know, a strong, a strong opinion of mine is to really work through those emotions and those thoughts before you do try and start to, to conceive again, because um, work through and start to process that previous loss, that trauma that you have gone through before you decide to try again. The, that's what I did. And I was still, I was still consumed with fear. I was every point that of that pregnancy, I was like, I, I got to seven weeks and I was like, oh, if I get to seven weeks, I'll be fine. And I got to seven weeks and I wasn't fine, but she was okay. Like she was coming along fine. And I got to uh, the end of the first trimester and then I thought, oh, I'll be okay. And I wasn't. And I started to, cause things, you start to feel different things, different sensations, different cramps. And then I was like, oh, what's that cramp? And I think I took myself to the hospital that many times just to hear her heartbeat um, and just for them to check 
but um i you like without the tools to acknowledge the emotions and the fear and the anxiety and the overwhelm that come up because at any point through that pregnancy you are so scared that it'll happen again you are scared that you go to that next ultrasound appointment and they tell you there's no heartbeat um i was like a crazy person i ended up um personifying my fear and i was talking to it so i would just have conversations with it i was like yep thank you i see you thanks for being here i know you are coming to keep me safe and i know that you're here because of what's happened in the past i know that you don't want to want me to get hurt again that's you know essentially you know why why it was coming why you know i was triggered something triggered me and um there was the fear like i was petrified but i just had to keep reassuring myself that i was okay this like she was okay in this very moment right in that moment right then and there she was okay I was okay. I was safe and she was safe. I couldn't control anything that was going to happen tomorrow. So right in that moment, I just had to know that I was okay. Um, And I had to tell myself my fear that I was okay. And every emotion that came to me, I would do the same thing. I would like, And that's where, that's what I teach as well is how to actually welcome them in because they are a part of us. They're not something that we are designed to push them, designed to push away or ignore. Um, They are a part of us. And how can we then integrate them into us, welcome them in, show them the love and compassion that they need? Because essentially, you know, fear is afraid. It needs to be shown some love. It needs to be reassured that it's okay. Um, And fear is also a projection of what could happen. So if you don't have the tools to process it, you can very easily get caught in anxiety, fear, overwhelm, and then you stay in that place because that's like, it can be very consuming once that sort of once that um, ball starts rolling down the hill, like it just gathers momentum. It get, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger um, like a snowball down a hill and it just keeps getting bigger. And that's why I also have created the programs because I want women to know that they can heal. They can have the tools for them to heal themselves in these moments and confidently cope with these emotions and feelings that come up because pregnancy after loss is terrifying. It's, and even parenting after loss is terrifying because then, you know, the fear just shifts and morphs into something else. And yes, every parent is going to be afraid of losing their child, regardless of if they have experienced loss before, but it's just that much more heightened when you have gone through loss because you know that it's been taken away from you before and how easily it happened. And, you know, one minute you were okay and planning a future and the next minute you, your whole world is turned upside down and crumbling and the floor has been taken out from underneath you and you don't know what to do anymore. 
So you know how easy it can happen. And then so pregnancy and parenting after loss, if you don't have the tools to actually cope with everything that comes to you, it can get very overwhelming and very, it can happen very quickly, especially when those, those thoughts and feelings start to really take hold in your mind. Um, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'm sure I looked like a crazy person, but that was the only way that I could get through, you know, my pregnancy. Um, and also I cried for like the whole week before I was giving birth to her. I cried because I just thought it was going to be, um, what I heard in the ultrasound clinic of, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat to her being a stillborn. So I cried and I cried and I cried and I just let myself go through that because then when I was at the hospital, nothing, there was no thoughts, there was no sensations, there was nothing, there was no fear. It was like it had all been released and I was in there and I was going to meet her. That was the only thing that then was going through my mind. I'm so sorry that you went through what you went through but I'm so so grateful that you have come and opened this conversation up and you've been so honest and you know just shared your story from the heart and it is it's going to help heal so many other women so I really really appreciate you and all of the work that you do 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 you have any final advice or anything that you would like to share um before we go um I mean, just if it is something that obviously we've talked about how to support someone that is going through it, um, if you're not the person that's going through it yourself, but if it is something that you have experienced yourself, um, just not to ignore the, the, the feelings and the emotions and the physical sensations that come up in your body. Just really um, listen to what your body is telling you. Um, it is communicating with you all of the time. Uh, you might notice a physical sensation before you actually notice an emotion or a thought or something. So just, you know, if you're starting to feel anxious, just stop and understand what that feeling is and kind of maybe where it may have originated from and then see if there's an emotion attached to that. Um, but just start sort of tuning into your body because it is always communicating with you and our emotions aren't designed to be ignored or, you know, pushed aside or dealt with later. So if you can just start to notice those emotions, um, grief and all the emotions that come along with grief are never comfortable. So just give yourself permission to feel them, even though they're not comfortable. They, they hurt, um, but they are a natural part of, who we are as well. So yeah, just honor, honor them. And by honoring the emotions, you're honoring yourself. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And for anyone listening who has either gone through going through um, pregnancy loss or is in the health and wellness field who would love to support women who are, where can they find you? So uh, my social media, so Instagram, um, just at Institute of Healing underscore PL. Um, 
I feel like that's an extension of me and my thoughts and my, you know, what I share with my students um, and also ways that you can uh, enhance your skill set or, you know, grow your skill set if you, if you haven't sort of been um, sort of in a medical field or health and wellness field before. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Instagram or on my website, just www.shanasouthern.com. Um, and on there is all the different programs that I have available as well. So if you just go to the work with me tab, you'll be able to see what's there. Wonderful. And I'll put um, those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Once again, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to, to share this and talk about this topic um, with your community. You're so welcome. If you missed the intro and jump straight to the episode, don't forget that my Ayurveda Alchemist program is open for enrollment via application. This program certifies you as an Ayurveda lifestyle and wellness coach and will help you up-level your health and wellness business. You'll gain access to the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda and graduate with a knowledge of how to incorporate this timeless wisdom and holistic framework into your business so that you can create greater impact and boldly step into the high-level practitioner you know you can be. If you are ready to up-level your life and help transform the life of others by becoming an Ayurveda alchemist, head over to harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au and apply today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and staying right to the end. Let's take our relationship a little further and connect in the world of socials. Follow me personally on Instagram at harmony.inspired.ayurveda. My women's health clinic on Instagram is harmony underscore inspired underscore health or join our Facebook community, the Ayurvedic Soul Sister Tribe. Reach out on any of those channels and let me know if you enjoyed the episode, what type of episode you would like to hear more of in the future, or simply just swing by and say hi. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you listen on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating so the wisdom shared in these episodes can be spread far and near. Thank you so much, my friends, from my soul to yours.